0: I want to read to you today from the book of Galatians chapter 6. I hope you'll follow along with me. It'll be there on the screens with you, or if you want to open your Bible and look at it with me as well, that would be wonderful. But beginning in verse number 6, listen to what it has to say. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In due season, he says, we'll reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith." I like stories like the one that you just watched in that video, the story of Cody's life. When I see that young boy and the challenges that he's faced and the things that he's overcome already in the course of his life, it only inspires me to recognize that no matter what challenge is before me or what challenge is before you, that we can press forward and we can overcome and we can dream big. I want you to think about some other people who've overcome significant challenges in life. Some of them are people you might know. One of those is Dr. Tim Lee. Uh, Dr. Tim Lee has been to our church on a number of occasions. He's an American war hero. And he lost both of his legs to a landmine in Vietnam in 1971. After that, He gave his life to be a preacher of the gospel, and he travels across the country, crisscrossing this nation, and travels outside of this country, and he preaches the gospel to literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And we've witnessed it here in our own church, those who've come to faith as a result of his ministry. You remember seeing him sit here in his wheelchair with His uh, military uniform, his Marine uniform, and the medals that he's earned. And yet, here is a man who could have every reason possible to say, I'm gonna give up and I'm gonna quit. I'm not going forward. It's too hard. Life is too difficult. And yet, he pressed through his obstacles like Cody. He pressed through his obstacles and he refused to quit. He didn't lose heart, he didn't become weary to the place that he stopped life and stopped living. Uh, another person that you might not know as well, but somebody that I've heard a number of times over the course of, of my life, sometimes in person, some, sometimes by video, was a man by the name of David Ring. Uh, David Ring was born with cerebral palsy in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And early in his life, both his mother and his father died and left him an orphan. You can imagine how difficult life would have been for him he says that he went through physical pain and humiliating public ridicule and constant discouragement. But he came to meet Christ as his Savior and he became a preacher of the gospel. And David Ring now speaks to more than 100,000 people every year in churches and conventions and schools and at corporate events. And God is using his life in a significant way. One of his most well-known sermons is entitled, I've Got Cerebral Palsy, What's Your Problem? And it becomes an encouragement for people to go on. If he could go on, then we can go on. I like one of the little sayings. He has t-shirts, or used to have t-shirts that had them on it. It says, God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. Now, that might not make for very good English, but it makes for good inspiration. And we look at people like Cody, and we look at people like Dr. Lee, and we look at people like David Ring, and we're reminded no matter what the obstacle is before us that we are more than conquerors, that we are overcomers, and that we can meet this challenge, and we can be not victims, but we can be victorious. A name that you might be very familiar with is the name Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny grew up as a child in teen years, very active in life, enjoying a lot of things that children and teens enjoy, riding horses, hiking, tennis, swimming. On July the 30th, 1967, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay and she misjudged the shallowness of the water. The result was that she fractured her spinal cord and she became a quadriplegic. During Johnny's two years of rehabilitation, in her autobiography, she says that she experienced anger and depression and suicidal thoughts and even religious doubts. But during that same time, she learned to paint with a brush between her teeth. And today, if you want to know that name, just go Google it for a moment, and you will discover that she's a Christian author. She's an artist. She's a singer. Uh, She's a radio personality. She's an advocate for the disabled. She has camps where children and adults with challenges can come together. We have some in our own church that, that serve and work in some of those opportunities. She's written more than 40 books. She's recorded several musical albums, and she starred in her own autobiographical movie. I mean, when you think about Johnny, you think of somebody who's an overcomer, She's someone who refused to give up in spite of the challenges that she faced. And I suppose as I come to you today, that's really the crux of what I want to say to you. My challenge to all of us today, now that we're several weeks into this pandemic and we're several weeks into this stay-at-home order, my challenge to you is that we can't give up No matter how hard life may feel at any given moment, and especially at a time of crisis like we've been going through in our own nation and like like they're going through around the world. In this passage of Scripture that I read to you just a few minutes ago, Paul is speaking to that kind of a persevering spirit, especially in times of crisis. He challenges the Galatians, don't grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary while doing good. He says, don't lose heart in the pursuits of life. Now, when you think about this passage of scripture, let me just take a moment and give you a little bit of an explanation so that you'll understand some things maybe you didn't understand before. Every passage of the Bible has one primary interpretation and application. That is, how did the readers of what Paul said hear what he was saying? How did they understand what he was saying? And how did it apply to their given situation at that very moment? But then there are secondary applications to a passage of Scripture. Now, the primary interpretation of this passage of Scripture has to do with the Galatians giving financial support to those who are teachers of the truth of God. There were lots of false teachers that were busy about in the city of Galatia. And and that's just what he's saying here is that a spiritual community of believers, a spirit-filled community of believers values the truth. And they demonstrate their value of the truth by financially supporting those and helping those that are disseminating that truth and who are proclaiming that truth. And that's the primary interpretation and application. But as I said a moment ago, there are always secondary applications that can be made. And there's a secondary application beyond the use of our financial resources in this particular passage. We find that secondary application in this very spirit of perseverance, in this very spirit of overcoming. There's a universal principle given here about sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap, and you have to keep sowing if you're going to reap. And that universal principle is not, also, not only true about the matter of supporting those who are taking care of preaching and proclaiming the gospel of truth. But it's also a matter of us in our own individual and personal lives being sure that we don't grow weary, that we don't lose heart, and that we keep moving forward, and that we keep sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping, because there will be a harvest. There will be a reaping that takes place. I guess when we think about it, what he's saying to us here is that we should never give up. In this secondary interpretation or application, I should say, he's telling us never give up, no matter what we're facing in life. Don't give up supporting those who are teaching the Word of God and disseminating that truth. And don't give up in the course of your life, no matter what the challenge is that may face you on any given moment. My challenge to all of us today is that we would let God develop within us this relentless, tenacious, uh, persevering spirit that simply refuses to quit. Even when there's no immediate evidence that our faithfulness is producing good results or changing our circumstances, we just refuse to quit. We meet the challenge and we press through the challenge We sow and we reap. We don't get weary. We don't lose heart. We keep on persevering in the midst of the challenges that surround us. The word that's translated as weary here in Galatians chapter 6, where he says, don't grow weary. It literally means to be utterly spiritless or exhausted to the point of wanting to quit. That particular word is used six times in the New Testament. Four times it's translated as lose heart. And two times is translated as the words, grow weary. Let me give you some examples of how that word is used. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. You hear what he's saying? God's given us this ministry. God given, had given to Paul the ministry that uh, he was working in, that he was carrying out. Because he had received all of this mercy and all of this grace of God, he couldn't lose heart. He couldn't quit in the process of fulfilling that ministry. Or think about 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Listen to what it says. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Maybe you don't want to do that today, but have you looked in the mirror lately? All of us have an outward man that is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day as we walk with God. And he says, therefore, don't lose heart. Don't quit. Don't give up. Meet the challenge. Even though your physical body may be causing you difficulty and pain and may be struggling at a given moment, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up the Inner man is being renewed day by day, and God sees where you are, and He wants you to persevere in the midst of your circumstances. Or when the word is used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, listen to how Paul uses it. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Doing good in Galatians chapter 6, the primary interpretation was doing good with our finances in a spiritual community of believers to support the pr- preaching and the teaching of the truth. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13, it's good works of any kind. Just persevere. Don't grow weary to the place of wanting to quit or give up. Don't lose heart so that you walk away. You run up the white flag of surrender and you just give up. You know, the truth of this passage of Scripture that we have to take home with us today is the fact that God wants us to be a persevering believer, a persevering uh, body of people. He wants us to be a body of people who face the challenges of life and we just refuse to quit. Like Cody, like Dr. Lee, like Johnny Erickson Tata, like David Ring. We face the challenges that are before us and we press forward. We press forward. The weariness that we're talking about today means to abandon tasks or or to give up the fight. Uh, One Greek dictionary says this about it. One's perseverance must not weaken since the harvest will result from our doggedness. I like that word, doggedness. Our doggedness. A relaxation of effort would be disastrous. We have to have a dogged determination in the midst of the circumstances that we press forward and we don't give up. And it's interesting here that in this particular passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul is probably including himself in this exhortation. He uses here the first person plural in verse 9. Listen to it again. And let us, not just you Galatians, he's including himself, let us, not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In other words, while God is giving this to the Apostle Paul and he's writing it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is included in this exhortation. And is it any wonder? Stop and think for a moment some of the things that the Apostle Paul endured in the course of carrying out his ministry faithfully, pressing forward in meeting the challenges that were before him. You find a list of some of those things in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So let me just read it to you. You thought your life was difficult? You thought you were going through some significant challenges? You thought it was hard for you right now? Listen for a moment to how Paul words this. He says, in labor is more abundant." in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches And then he finishes out, he says, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Can you understand why Paul would want to include himself in this word of encouragement about perseverance, about meeting your challenges and not giving up and not quitting in the face of all of those things? I doubt very many of us have ever faced uh, many of these kinds of things that Paul had to face. But aren't we thankful that he didn't quit? Aren't we thankful that he didn't give up? Aren't we thankful that he met the challenge, that he overcame the obstacles, that he was an overcomer, and he pressed forward even when it wasn't easy to press forward? And that's our challenge today. In the midst of our circumstances, as difficult as they may be, Sometimes we get weary. Sometimes we lose heart. And we need the encouragement of the Word of God. In this secondary application of Galatians 6, we need the encouragement of the Word of God. We keep sowing, they'll be reaping. We keep sowing, they'll be reaping. Don't don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop moving forward. God has a plan, and God is at work. You know, there are at least six things that are very common, I think, to most of us, if not all of us, that sometimes can lead us to a place where we grow weary or we lose heart in our journey in life. I'm not going to talk about all of these six in great detail, but three or four of them I want to give uh, some detail to. The, The first of these six is what is something that you already know and you know well, physical exhaustion. Physical exhaustion. Just being so tired that you don't think you can move forward or put one foot in front of another. There's an old proverb that says, you will break the bow if you keep it always bent. You will break the bow if you keep it always bent. Now, I know in today's world with all the composite materials and so forth, that might not be true, as true as as it was before there were those materials. But for a bow that's made out of wood, if you keep it always pulled with the tension on it, it says it can break. Or if you don't get that, maybe you'll understand the words of Vince Lombardi. You football fans will know that name well. The former famed coach of the Green Bay Packers. This is what he used to say. He used to say that fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. I think you'll agree when we get physically exhausted, when we get stressed beyond measure, the end result of that is that sometimes we begin to grow weary. We begin to lose heart, even to the place where we think we're going to give up and we're going to quit. And God comes to you today as he came to the Galatians, as he came to the apostle Paul. And he says, don't quit. Don't give up. We keep moving forward. We keep sowing, we'll reap. We keep sowing, we'll reap. We persevere. That tenacious spirit that says, I will not quit. I know that many of you are tired right now. You've been stuck in your houses for days, and you've had very few places to go, and very few things to divert your attention. I mean, there's only so many movies and TV shows you can watch, right? I mean, you can binge watch for a little while, but after a while, you even get tired of doing that. And some of you have cooked more in the past few weeks at your house than you did all of last year. You're tired. You've been working hard. You've been out in your yard, manicuring the yard and the garden. And you've cleaned every corner of your house. You've cleaned every corner of every, of every room in the house, of every closet in the house and you're wondering when is this ever going to end? I am so tired of what I'm experiencing. Others of you get up every day and you're still going to work. You're dealing with all of the additional stress and the pressures that come with catching this, the potential at least, of catching this virus. You take all the precautions you can take, but let's be honest about it. Even people who are used to working with dangerous conditions find the additional stress Of what's going on around us. You have to constantly be thinking about masks and gloves that you have to wear. And then there's this whole matter that any person you meet, any person you meet along the way, even though you have to keep that six-foot distance, you have to treat them like a petri dish full of microorganisms looking to invade your body. People that you used to have the hug or a handshake and you used to get close to now you have to keep that distance from them because you're afraid that either you might infect them or they might infect you and it just wearies us out it makes us physically tired and then you add on top of that the restrictions of of the government and all of those restrictions that seemingly get tighter with every week that passes And as they tighten down those restrictions one after another for for the purpose, they say, of keeping us safe, but we're losing more freedoms along the way. And little by little, we just get exhausted. We just simply get exhausted. And that's where many of you are. That's where I have been at times. Physical exhaustion can cause a person to lose perseverance, to lose heart can cause a person to grow weary where they want to quit. And God is coming to you today as he came to these Galatians, as he came to the Apostle Paul, and he's saying to you, don't do it. Don't give up. Never give up. Keep pressing forward. Be tenacious. Keep moving forward. Because if you sow, you're going to reap. There's an example of somebody in the Bible that is an illustration to us about this whole matter of physical exhaustion and how it can cause you to lose heart it's an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. That's a name that probably most of you know. God worked seven miracles through the man Elijah. Elisha, who followed him, got a double portion of God's blessing and worked 14 miracles God did through Elisha. But think about Elijah with me for just a moment. He'd long been public enemy number one because of his confrontations with the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And because of his confrontation with his own people about idolatry. And then there was that ever-going battle with the wicked king Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel. And that surely must have exhausted him as he continued that constant battle. And then there was that moment, that epic moment on Mount Carmel when he calls the prophets of Baal and the prophets of, of Asherah and Elijah calls down the fire of God And proves that God is the only true God Jehovah God is the only true God When that event finished Elijah ran about 25 miles from Mount Carmel to Jezreel He went another hundred miles from Jezreel to Beersheba And then he went an additional 15 to 20 miles out into the wilderness in other words Elijah had traveled in a very short amount of time without modern travel like we enjoy today between 130 and 150 miles in a very short amount of time and he must have been spent physically. And it's interesting what God does for him. He's gonna recommission him. He's gonna send him right back to the service that God had called him to. But do you know what God does for him for a period of time? God just lets Elijah, sleep. You know why? He's physically exhausted. And when you get physically exhausted, you become weary in well-doing. You can lose heart in the midst of the battle that you're fighting. And that's where Elijah was. Isn't that great? Do you know that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep? And maybe that's where you are today. You're physically exhausted with all that's going on. Can you block off some time, and can you give your body and your mind some rest? And if that's not possible because of the circumstances that we're in right now, can you think forward, and can you make some plans and set aside when this all ends for how you can get away for a little while and you can look forward to de-stressing And have a plan where you can at least have something that you're anticipating where you can get some rest for your physical exhaustion. Sometimes we get weary and well doing and we lose heart to the place that we want to quit because of physical exhaustion. Sometimes we become weary and well doing and lose heart because of what's called inferiority feelings. Inferiority feelings. I know that none of you probably feel inferior, but I think all of us, if we're honest and we opened up truthfully, that there are moments in in life when we don't don't think we measure up. There's a couple of ways in which inferiority feelings can affect us, come to us, Uh, different sources that bring these feelings to us. The first is from those feelings that are ingrained in us over time because of the way we were raised or because of the way we've been treated by others at some period of our lives. For instance, children that grow up in abusive homes often live the rest of their lives with a sense of inferiority. Sometimes they call it low self-esteem. But they live with this sense of inferiority because of the way they were treated. They keep hearing the voices of those who said things that deeply wounded them as well as some of those painful physical experiences that they had to endure. And these kids have these feelings of inferiority that have been programmed into their minds over a course of the years growing up. I think about that during this particular period of pandemic. Those kids that used to be able to get out of their homes and get away from their homes are now locked down into their homes, and they can't get away. And some of them are living in very difficult circumstances, And the longer they live in those circumstances, the more ingrained they become with that low self-esteem. They hear the words of a parent or a guardian and the things that they're saying and the way they're belittling them. And it creates, as they grow up, these inferiority feelings that sometimes can occur. There's other ways that we can have these inferiority feelings. The second source that they will come to us is by comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, All of us have trouble doing that probably at times. But comparing ourselves to others, and we have this tendency to look at others and think, you know, they would be a lot better at this than I I, I am at this. And I really am not as qualified or capable as they are. And suddenly we begin to have these inferiority feelings, and before we know it, we begin to lose heart, and begin to grow weary and We want to give up and we want to quit. Listen to how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Now listen. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Do you realize that some of the inferiority that we feel that comes because we don't feel we're as good as someone else or as capable as someone else comes because we're measuring ourselves among ourselves? And Paul says, that's just not wise. And why isn't it wise? Because then you're looking only at your ability and your strength and you're forgetting that God can enable you to do more than you ever thought possible. I was thinking recently about Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. That's the passage where you find the parable of the talents. And in that story, the master gives to three servants a sum of money. That's what a talent is, a sum of money. As I thought about that parable, I, I was interested to note that he apportioned to each man according to his ability to handle that sum of money. Think about this. The man with the great ability received five talents. The man with the average ability received two talents. And the man with the basic ability received one talent. But think about this. If God had given five talents to the man with basic ability, it would have crushed him. And if he had given one talent to the man with great ability, it would have frustrated him. You say, what are you telling me? I'm telling you that God made you exactly who you are and the way you are to fulfill His purpose in this world. And if you begin comparing yourselves amongst yourselves, you're not wise. We're not wise. Because God didn't make us to do all the same things the same way. God has made us unique in ourselves And when we find inferiority feelings that come because of the way we were treated or things that were said to us, maybe as a child growing up, maybe as a teen said to us, we have to stop and remind ourselves, I'm a child of the King. We have to think what God says about us, not what those voices in the back of our mind are saying about us from years gone by. We have to stop and think about the voice of God, the voice of God and what he says to us and let God heal our hearts. When we find ourselves comparing ourselves among ourselves, we have to stop. And we have to say, Lord, you made me this way. You gave me these abilities. And Lord, whatever you've given me to do, you'll enable me to do. And you begin to trust him. There's an Old Testament example of a man that had to battle with inferiority feelings. His name was Moses. You probably know the story. Grew up in Egypt, in the palace at Egypt. Egypt. He ends up on the backside of a desert. And when God comes to him and God says, I want you to lead my people out of the land of Egypt. And I want you to take them to the promised land. What does Moses do? Moses, who had all this instruction, the finest instruction of the day as a leader in the schools of Egypt. And yet when God says, I want you to lead my people, what does he say? Lord, I don't think I'm able. I don't think I'm capable I can't speak plainly. I I can't speak clearly. I couldn't go before the Pharaoh and speak to the Pharaoh. He reminds us that God can enable us to do whatever it is God has given us to do. And we don't have to do what somebody else is doing. We only have to do what God has given us to do with the abilities that God has given to us. Don't let your inner feelings of inferiority stop you from seizing the divine moments that God places in your life. And don't quit because you don't think you're capable or sufficient for the situation that you face. You say, Pastor, I'm about to give up. I'm just so weary. I don't know if I can go on another day. I can't continue like this. You stop and you say, oh, God, help me. Give me your strength and your grace. Lord, enable me to persevere Just persevere through this day and then, Lord, meet me tomorrow and help me to persevere tomorrow. There's a third reason why we become weary and well-doing and lose heart and sometimes want to give up. And that's what we'll call difficult tasks. Difficult tasks. We're not going to spend much time here. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? When we've been given something that's really complicated and something that's really difficult... Sometimes we look at it so complex and we think to ourselves, I, I don't know if I can do this or not. It's just too hard. It might be going to school or it might be earning a degree or it might be getting that next degree or it might be moving up to another job. But we look at those situations and we see the difficulty of the task and sometimes we wonder, can we do that task? It's difficult to us. And then we get discouraged and we get despondent and dispirited And before long, we're weary and we're losing heart. And we say, no, I'm just going to give up and I'm just going to quit. You know, one of the persons in the Scripture that's an example of what can happen when we lose heart uh, because of these difficult circumstances and these difficult tasks is this man, Timothy. Timothy was left in the city of Ephesus to set the church in order. And you ought to go back and read about Timothy Understand who this man was and understand that what faced faced him was seemingly a daunting task, and yet God was going to use him in significant ways. Can I just give one bit of advice before moving on? If you find yourself facing a difficult task, what what you need to do is just think about how you can work slowly and methodically to achieve that task. One morning there was a man that found snow all piled up in the front of his door. And so he began to shovel it away, but it seemed like there was a mountain of snow that he was never going to be able to remove it all. And he just went back inside, put his shovel down, went back inside with despair. And he said, I'll never clear all that snow. And just a little while he went back outside and he began marking the snow off into squares. And he would moved this square Then he'd move to the next one and he'd move that square. And before he knew it, he'd removed all the snow. What had he done? He'd worked slowly and methodically in the midst of a difficult task and ultimately he got it done. Sometimes difficult tasks can cause us to become weary and lose heart and want to quit. But here's a fourth one. That's thankless sacrifices. I do want to spend a little time here. Thankless sacrifices. Do you know when you do things and... People don't recognize it and don't acknowledge it. There's a tendency for us to get weary and to lose heart in the midst of it. Can we just stop for a moment today and be reminded that we ought to be thankful for those that are working and serving during this pandemic? We ought to be thankful for those that are working in the manufacturing plants and who are uh, transporting the food and the daily supplies that sustain our lives. We ought to be thankful for those that are working with the patients that are affected by the virus. We ought to be thankful for a thousand other tasks that are going on every day, even in the midst of a crisis. We just simply need to say thank you. So let me stop and let me say thank you. But you know what can cause you to lose heart? Grow weary are thankless sacrifices, thankless sacrifices. There's a story of an old missionary couple. They had served most of their life in Africa, and they were returning to New York City to retire. They had no pension. Their health was broken. They were defeated, discouraged, and afraid. And they discovered that they had booked on the same ship as President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from a big game hunting expedition. No one paid much attention to them. They, they watched the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage with all the passengers trying to get a glimpse of this great man. And as the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, something's wrong. Why should we be given or have given our lives in faithful service for God in Africa all these years and have no one care a thing about us? Here, this man comes back from a hunting trip, and everybody makes much over him, but nobody gives two hoots about us. Well, his his wife responded like a lot of wives would respond. She said, honey, you shouldn't feel that way. And he replied, I can't help it. It doesn't seem right. When the ship docked in New York, a band was waiting to greet the president. The mayor and other dignitaries were there. The papers were full of all of these things about the president's arrival. But nobody even noticed that missionary couple. They slipped off the ship. They found the cheap place to stay on the east side. And they got up the next day hoping to be able to find some work to be able to make a living in the city. That night... The man's spirit broke, and he said to his wife, I can't take this. God is not treating us fairly. His wife replied, why don't you go into the bedroom and tell it to the Lord? (laughs) A short time later, he came out. His face was completely different, and his wife asked, what happened? This is what he said. The Lord settled it with me. I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive this tremendous homecoming when no one met us as we returned home. And when I finished, it seemed as if the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but you're not home yet. But you're not home yet. I know there are difficult things in life. We're facing some things in life right now that are difficult. And you wonder, does anybody see what I'm doing? Does anybody pay attention? Is anybody appreciative of what's going on and what I'm doing, the sacrifices I'm making? And maybe not enough people have said thank you, but let me remind you, you're not home yet. And when you stand before the Lord one day, you will be rewarded. The fifth thing that will cause us to grow weary or lose heart or what we'll call fruitless endeavors Again, we'll not spend much time here. Just I want you to understand that when we're working hard and we don't see the results, we sow, but we don't see the reaping. That universal principle, we sow, but we don't see the reaping. Sometimes the result is that we become discouraged because we don't see the reaping. An example of this very thing is the man Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached for 40 years to the people of Israel, and he never had a positive response. You can imagine how dispiriting that would be, how discouraging that would be. And sometimes we find ourselves where there are fruitless endeavors discouraged as a result. But let me remind you of something. God calls us to be faithful, and he will make us fruitful. Faithfulness is our responsibility. Fruitfulness is God's responsibility. And we just every day get up because what we sow we will reap and we reap in proportion to how much we sow, and we reap according to what we sow, such that in other words, what he's telling us here is that we can't quit, we can't give up, we can't stop sowing, and we can't stop living. We've got to move forward. The last one, the final one, is what we'll call constant opposition. Constant opposition. When you find yourself with people who are just always standing against you, trying to withhold you from moving forward, the result is that sometimes you can grow weary and you can lose heart. It's difficult to stay positive and hopeful when we're constantly harassed and opposed by those who feel it's their calling to resist us at every turn. Now, let's be honest. We've all faced that at times, haven't we? You know that old saying that you used to hear when you were a child? Sticks and stones may break break your bones, but uh, words will never hurt Will never hurt you. I don't, don't mean to say this where your kids can hear it, but that's a lie. Those words definitely hurt. And when people stand in our way and they keep us from pursuing the direction we believe we ought to go, it sometimes can cause us to become weary and to lose heart. Nobody exemp- exemplifies this better than Jesus Christ. He was constantly followed by the religious establishment as they parsed everything he said and he did. The leaders of Israel were looking for an opportunity where they could catch him in some violation of Moses' law so they could arrest him and they could silence him. And even his own disciples at times didn't understand him and they tried to prevent him from doing the will of the Father. And just consider that the opposition that he felt He felt it when he was arrested. He felt it when he was taken before the high priest and before the Roman judges. Constantly, over and over, he was constantly, his steps were dogged by everybody who was looking for a way to take him down. And yet Jesus persevered, and Jesus didn't quit, and he didn't give up, and he didn't lose heart. And Jesus didn't grow weary in the task that he was coming, that he had come to accomplish for us. Can you imagine hearing the people, the crowds cry out, Caesar is our king. We have no king but Caesar. And Jesus is standing right there and listening to all of that. I mean, if anybody knew the opposition of sinners, it was Jesus, but he didn't quit. And aren't we grateful? There would be no eternal life, and there would be no forgiveness of sins, and there would be no hope beyond the grave if Jesus had quit. And let me ask you a question. Why did he endure such agony and, in, and indignity? Why? The answer to that question is because he loves you. He loves you. Maybe today you're wondering, does anybody love me? Absolutely. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he endured that constant opposition because he was coming to bring something to you that you could never have apart from him. And that's his eternal salvation. As a matter of fact, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Christ to be your Savior. Jesus faced that constant opposition so that he could become your Savior. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me and to invite Christ into your life and to be your savior today. So I hope you'll stay with me for the next few moments. Listen to how the author of Hebrews says this about Jesus. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. Are you weary and discouraged today? Stop and think about Jesus, the constant opposition And let him be the model. Let him be the encouragement. He goes on and says, you have not resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin. You know, what I've been trying to say today is I know this has been a long five or six weeks. We've been going through some difficult moments. We are tired and we're weary and we're beginning to lose heart. And I've come to you to say today, don't quit We need a kind of relentless, tenacious, dogged perseverance in life that simply refuses to quit or to give up no matter how hard or unpleasant life may be at times. Maybe you've wondered if life was even worth living anymore. You're struggling in your mind and in your emotions. And the answer is yes. You matter to God and you cannot quit and you cannot give up. And Jesus stands ready to receive you as as his child and to make you a promise that he'll give you eternal life. I want to read to you a poem in closing. I've turned to this poem on a number of occasions in the course of my life. And this poem is so important because it reminds us we just can't quit. Listen to it. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, When the road we're trudging, you're trudging, seems all uphill. When the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow, you might succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup, and he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you can never tell how close you are it may be near when it seems so far. Now listen. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. it's when things seem worst, that you must not quit.